Let it be said by our children's children that when we were tested, we refused to let this journey end, that we did not turn back, nor did we falter. And with eyes fixed on the horizon and God's grace upon us, we carried forth the great gift of freedom and delivered it safely to future generations. The closing sentence of President Obama's inaugural address. When we were tested, we did not turn back. We carried forth the great gift of freedom. There's been a lot of talk about freedom over this election season. And for many people in America, President Obama is the embodiment of freedom in America today. For as he was sworn into office with his hand on Lincoln's Bible, one cannot sense a culmination of all of those who had gone before. Those who fought for freedom. Those who sought to break the oppressive yoke of slavery. President Obama's victory is seen as a victory for all who have been oppressed. For all who have been marginalized. For all who have been treated as nothing more than disposable personal property. Twelve American presidents owned slaves, eight of them while in office. But as this child of an African immigrant moves into the White House, he does so not as the property of a master, but as the leader of our country. The ceiling of inequity finally shattered. The psychological yoke of slavery broken once and for all. In many ways, I wish that was the only form of slavery that humans had to endure. But we learn by reading Scripture that there are other forms of slavery, more, uniform, more universal forms of slavery in which all people are held in bondage. Unfortunately, physical slavery is not the only form from which we must be set free. For in our text for today, Galatians 4, verses 8 through 11, the Apostle Paul addresses another form of slavery, a spiritual one. This is how he describes it. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. Many believe that the apostles' words are addressed to the sons and the daughters of Celtic immigrants who, before their conversion to Christianity, were most likely pagan, worshiping deities they believed to exist in the elementary forms and forces of nature. They were slaves to the principles of the natural world. But then Paul arrived. He arrived with the gospel. He arrived with the gospel of Jesus Christ and he broke the yoke of slavery. He liberated them from the elementary principles of this world and he set them free. He changed their identity from slaves to sons and daughters. But no sooner had he finished his final sermon and he disappeared over the countryside 
other teachers arrived. Judaizers, who threatened to take away this newfound Christian freedom and identity that the Apostle Paul had given them through the gospel of Jesus Christ. They threatened to take away their newfound freedom and instead enslave them again. The Judaizers' legalistic leaven had begun to work on the Galatians. For we read in our text for today that they had begun to become willing to place themselves under a new yoke of slavery. Different, yet very, very similar to the one under which they had to endure before. No longer were they under the yoke of slavery of the elementary principles of this world, of the things of the world, of the water and the winds, of the fields and the farm, but now they were being placed under a new yoke of slavery, being encouraged to adhere to the Jewish traditions and the law. And Paul was dismayed. Listen to his harsh words. But now that you have come to know God, or really rather to be known by God, he says, how can you ever turn back? How can you turn back? How can you turn back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to become again? You even observe days and months and years. I'm truly afraid that I've labored in vain. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has bewitched you? Was it not before your eyes that Jesus Christ was portrayed as the crucified one? Let me ask you one question. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now trying to be perfected by the flesh? When we were children, we were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world, but when the fullness of time came, when the fullness of time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that they might no longer be slaves but be adopted as sons and daughters of God. You are sons. God has sent his spirit of his son into your heart, and it cries out, Abba, Father. The slave has become the son and the daughter. The slave has become the heir. So what? <laughs> What's the point? Why am I telling you this story? Well, there are some of us in the room today who, like the Galatians, are tempted. Tempted to turn back. To turn away from the grace and the freedom that we've been given and to turn back to a new master to take willingly on a new yoke of slavery. 
There are some in this room today who are tempted to forfeit, to forfeit the freedom that they've been given by exchanging it for what is familiar, the confines of legalistic tradition and pharisaical law. There are some of us here in this room today, in this pulpit, who have a hard time fully comprehending what it means to truly be free. I've tried to wrap my mind around it. I truly have. I've read the scriptures. I was in seminary for four years. And even then, on the moment of my graduation, I was probably more of a Pharisee than ever before, driving myself with the law. Was I going to be good enough? Were my grades going to be good enough? What could I do so that people would accept me and like me and love me and take me to be their pastor, their shepherd, and their guide? But there are times, in spite of myself, that the gospel breaks through. There are times when the light of Christ, the clear peal of the freedom bell rings in my ears. There are times that it catches me off guard, when for a moment I stand in sublime awe at what Jesus has done. When I see him on the cross, dying not for his sin, but for mine. When I see him resurrected from the grave, walking through the garden, addressing his believers, giving them his spirit, giving us the commission to go out and to share the freedom from generation to generation, there are moments that I see, and at those moments as I stand on the edge from who I am as a sinner and who God has made me as a saint, The warmth of that gospel light melts my heart, and I can feel the excitement inside. It's the new man leaping and jumping within, and all of a sudden I look at my hands and my feet, and what are missing? The shackles are gone. The self-imposed prison of law that I tend to keep myself in day and night, in the grace, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, they are obliterated, and I have been set free. But it quickly fades. And my old gods come rushing back in. I don't want to turn back. I don't want to go back to the way things were before. I don't want the uncertainty. I don't want the doubt. I don't want day in and day out wondering if I've done enough so that God would love me. I don't want his labor to be in vain. Oh, foolish professor, who has bewitched you? And you see, my friends, in my moments of weakness, in my moments of weakness, that's when the others appear. They stand in the narthex of my life, eagerly waiting to become my new Judaizers, waiting there with their new lists and rules and rituals, 
Their days and their months and their seasons and their years are perfectly ordered for maximum efficiency. They promise assurance of salvation if I follow their rules. They promise me spiritual progress if I adhere to their steps. But in the end, their promised fruit is an illusion. It's nothing but ashes in my mouth. And at night, when no one knows, my heart cries out to God. At night, in the darkness, it cries out, Abba, Father. But in the morning, in the morning, my mouth pays heed to my fallen gods and masters. To be honest, I don't know who your Judaizers are. I am unaware of the elementary principles that threaten to take you captive. But in the end, there's only one thing that I know for sure, and it is this. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm in that freedom. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. For if Jesus sets you free, you are free indeed. I am no longer a slave, but I am a son. I'm no longer a slave, but a son. You, you are no longer a slave. But because of Jesus Christ, you are a child of the ever-living God. So let it be said of our children's children that when we were tested, that we refused to let the journey end, that when we did not turn our back, that we did not falter, and that we kept our eyes fixed on the horizon and God's grace upon us, and that we carried forth the great gift of freedom and delivered it safely to future generations. Amen.